Okay, first up on our agenda is the proposed legislation by the county executive to establish a police accountability bill in compliance with state law. Uh, you will remember that the council did have a presentation on this last month on January 11th uh, when a first draft was presented. Since that time, the county executive held additional outreach meetings with various groups in the community to receive input, and today we have a slightly revised version uh, of this bill in front of us. Before we get started, I do have to tell you from talking and working with other councils around the um, state, um, County Executive Gardner is the only county executive who has uh, done the intensive level of community outreach uh, and municipal outreach that she has done to put together this bill. Um, and she's continued to, to tweak it based on the feedback she's received. And I think we have to commend her for that because I will tell you um, from talking to other councils, they got um, they were handed bills where there was no community outreach, and now the community and the councils are trying desperately to coordinate um, the community input. So today we're being joined by County Executive Gardner, um, County Attorney Brian Black, and Joy Schaefer, the Director of Government Affairs, to present this proposal and engage in a discussion. So I'm going to turn it over to the County Executive, and she can recognize who on her staff she would like to help her with this presentation. But we're here just to hear from her and her staff and then engage in Q&A. So go ahead. All right. I, uh, thank you for that kind introduction. I will say we have had a good uh, public outreach process, and I do, do think it has been um, unmatched anyplace else uh, in the state. I am back to talk to you to a second time about the proposed draft legislation to create a police accountability board in Frederick County. As you know, this was... Um, um, something that was passed as part of a larger package of bills regarding police reform in the state legislature last year. And um, so this is just one piece of uh, that puzzle. I will note, um, I appreciate the work of uh, Brian Black. He has, he and his staff have gone to the municipalities. He's redrafted this bill a couple of times. And um, I'm sorry about that. And um I also want to recognize um, Michael Hughes, uh, our chief equity officer, who has um, attended uh, some of our community uh, outreach meetings as well. And of course, Joy Schaefer, who tries to be everywhere all the time and monitors all the municipality meetings, which is quite a task since there are 12 of them. So the goal of the um, state law to create a police accountability board is really to create a board that deals with the um, disciplinary action of related to uh, allegations of police misconduct. And the goal is to shine a light on that process. And it really takes what would have normally been a personnel type of action and puts it into a public venue. State law describes that framework in great detail. And so if you look at many of the bills that are out there being introduced across the state, there's a lot of similarity because everyone is required to follow a certain framework defined by state law. So um, the focus, again, is not on a broad civilian oversight board. Um, we have some advocacy in the community for something broader that goes beyond addressing uh, alleged incidents of misconduct. Um, but we're, so we're doing what we are required to do by state law. This police accountability board, like in every other county, will be for every law enforcement agency in the community, um, one board per county. Um, 
some of the municipal mayors in the state and the Maryland Municipal League have been advocating at the state to create their own um, police accountability boards for their respective municipalities. I respect that they want to do that um, because I am not trying to um, because I am not trying to take over municipal law enforcement and its management from our municipal mayors and burgesses. Okay, um, so. So in Frederick County, this police accountability board would um, provide uh, uh, this um, process um, for the sheriff's office, the city of Frederick Police Department, the uh, police in the town of Thermont, and the police in Brunswick. Because the um, Mount Airy police crosses multiple counties, they will go to a statewide police accountability board, and the Maryland State Police will also go to the Maryland uh, police Advisory Board. So since we last talked to you and presented the first draft of the bill, uh, we have uh, Brian Black and our county attorney staff, along with Joy Schaefer, have attended three municipal meetings to present the bill to um, those municipalities. I had engaged their mayors earlier in the process, but this would allow their uh, commissioners or their council members or their aldermen, depending on what they're called, to weigh in on that draft bill. So those three public meetings have taken place. I also wanted to make sure I heard from the public. So I had a town hall meeting and uh, at the end of January. As a follow-up to that meeting, I received some uh, lengthy input from the NAACP. I uh, agreed to have a conversation with them and that became a broader meeting where we had a uh, meeting with the NAACP, a representative of the ACLU, rise and also Frederick progressives and uh, the opportunities to have a town hall and to have this, these kinds of discussions and to have the discussion with the municipality allows us to have a dialogue which isn't always what happens during a public hearing process so it helps us to understand um, different perspectives and even to understand what people put say to you in writing or in an email because sometimes um, there can be a lack of communication that comes from that. So we have taken um, the input from our municipalities, from the public, uh, from other elected officials. We've looked at other bills across the state, and we are bringing a, a draft back to you that has about a dozen either additions or modifications to what we originally proposed to you. But again, the basic framework of the bill remains the same because it's required by state law. So you received a, a staff report and a new uh, bill we also separately sent you a redlined version of the bill. We sent you copies of all the public input that we've received, including letters from the three municipalities as well as from the public. And we provided you with an attachment with copies of legislation from other counties. So, uh, you know, you have Carroll and Howard and Anne Arundel and um, Calvert and Montgomery County. So it's, it's a good um, representation of what other counties are doing. So what we have changed in the bill or added to the bill is we've added some definitions at the beginning of the bill. We've clarified that the Police Accountability Board can hold more than the four quarterly meetings that are required. We've increased the membership of the board to nine. We've had debate about whether it should be seven, 11, 13, but nine seems to be kind of landing in the middle where there's the broadest consensus. And, um, we also uh, expanded the experience or background that would be preferred for the board members, 
clarified the interview process, which is a bit unique to Frederick County's bill. Um, added some training requirements. Uh, we have added that the uh, board members would have to comply with the county's ethics ordinance. So we've included training on the ethics ordinance as well as training on the Open Meetings Compliance uh, Act, in addition to training provided by the uh, Maryland Police Training and Standards and Training Commission, which has not yet been released what that will be. Um, we did expand the definition that prohibited active police officers from being members to also include members of their immediate family, and that has a definition. We changed the ex officio positions to liaison positions they're really the same thing, um, but they really help us to explain what the role of that those people are because they're really there to be staff resources. We increased the attendance requirements from 50% to 75%. We added, um, again, that members shall be subject to the ethics ordinance. And we added language to include the Administrative Charging Commission, an issue that was brought up by Councilman McKay at the first meeting. Most of that comes out of state law, word for word. Um, uh, a few of the sections at the end um, as to how that committee will operate are um, duplicates of the same language for the larger police accountability board. So I thought we could proceed today by simply going through the bill uh, and then um, itself. And uh, we would uh, certainly, um, so I could talk about a little further and um, then we can answer questions that you may have, and certainly um, uh, Brian uh, Black or um, others may want to weigh in on some of the public comment, how we've tried to balance that here. I mean, our goal is to have uh, unbiased uh, police accountability board as possible, um, and really who gets appointed to this board will, I think, determine its success or lack thereof. So at the beginning of the bill, if you turn to what's in your packet under Exhibit 1, we added four definitions. I think they're all self-explanatory. I am not going to go through them any further, um, but we have used these terms. They're immediate family member, law enforcement agency, police misconduct, what that is, and a, a definition for a police officer. Um, I don't think that needs uh, further discussion. Um, then in the next section, um, we have creation uh, and duties of the board. Um, we do say, uh, again, it, it constitutes nine members. Um, the city of Frederick, uh, in particular, thought we should go to 11 or potentially even 13. The town of Thermont thought we should go to seven. Um, I do think we want to make sure we find well-qualified members. I think five was, everybody agreed that five was too few. I'm not sure that, um, you know, we can make sure we have a diversity of representation with uh, five. Um, I think seven or nine are good numbers, and obviously you'll get to debate that further as this goes forward. Um, just, a, just a quick question. Did you want to get to the end of this and then have questions, or did you want us to be able to ask questions as we went through it? Which either way is fine. I just didn't know. Uh, we can ask questions as we go through it. Um, I may, because of just how this is, Virtual, miss you. So if you have a question, I mean, I would ask the council president to stop me and then call on you. Okay. Did you have a question, Councilmember Hagan, or were you just asking um, whether you could ask? Just, just on at that particular point when uh, uh, there was mention of the 
disagreement or different recommendations about the ideal size of the group. If, if you could maybe briefly just characterize the key points, if there were any, as to why the city wanted 11 or 13 and why Thurmont wanted seven. If there was just some you know, sentence or two that sort of captured their rationale, I was just wondering about that. Um, I think, generally speaking, the larger boards were to make sure that we had um, diverse representation from around the county. Smaller boards was, I think, to have a manageable size. I mean, there's an argument to be made that there's seven of you on the county council. You represent the county, and that's you do that adequately, that it shouldn't be larger than seven. Um, we want to make sure we find well-qualified people in the future. A little bit further on in the bill, um, we do honor the requests of the municipalities to make sure that there are two representatives from within the boundary of the city of Frederick, one from within the town of Thurmont and one from within the, the uh, city of Brunswick. And so if you add those four designated positions, five plus four would give you nine, but you could have them from within seven and then have three from unincorporated areas of the, of the county or, um, you know, five. Five. So I think nine seemed to be in the middle of what people, uh, where people's opinions rested. And so I think that's where the consensus is. And so that's what I'm presenting to you. Thank you. Council Member McKay. Thanks. Um, and on Section A, in terms of the language that was added about representation from communities with a higher impact of police misconduct. Yeah. Um, I guess I had two reactions to that, and I want to offer up an alternative in that, um, first of all, there's, you know, the immediate negative connotation that there is police misconduct and, and how are we going to kind of, um, you know, what data are we going to use to identify the communities with a higher impact of police misconduct? Um, it, it seems like it's almost getting the cart before the horse, given the nature of this body, to investigate police misconduct, that, to say that we're going to represent people who experienced it at a higher rate. Um, I, just, I liked how Anne Arundel did it a little better. I don't know if you want to consider that. They went with a higher frequency of interactions with law enforcement. And I think that's a more – that's something that – it's a more readily available, I think it's a more meaningful metric, perhaps, um, certainly probably more readily available um, than, than, you know, police misconduct. So I wonder if you'd consider that. I would certainly consider that. I mean, we took this language, we tried to take this language out of the Anne Arundel bill, actually, and we modified it a bit. So I have no objection to higher frequency of interaction with law enforcement, even though some people may ask you, what does that mean? So um, there was some public input to add something like this into the bill. I also think, you know, all of this is to the extent practicable. And so, um, you know, you can certainly potentially see in some statistics that there's more statistics from some um, um, uh, communities within the county. So I, I and there's a discussion of not having it in there at all. So, again, that is a topic where, um, you know, I would kind of see what the general consensus of the council would be on that. Okay, so hold on. Um, wait a minute. One, one, one at a time here. Can, since we've moved now beyond um, the first section of the, of the 
we were still on the um hold on a second we were still on the first part which was the creation and duties did you want to move into the composition since that seems to be i think where we're going to have most questions um and if the county executive is through with her um description of changes on that first section we can then move to section 1-2-702 which is the composition yeah let me just go to the composition for a minute yeah um, before we answer that question if you don't mind i think it's good that we don't miss anything by going in order okay so under creations and duties um the budget and staff um, will be determined in the uh, through the budget process i will say um there are some um there was a fiscal note with the Anne Arundel County bill, so you can see that they plan to add two staff. Um, the Montgomery County bill actually showed how much there and stated a dollar amount for the payment for, or the salary stipend for their, um, the chair of the police accountability board and for its members. So my, I, so there's some people who wanted us to put the budget in the bill. I don't want to put the budget in the bill because it will change, okay? Um, I again, you will have a chance to look at that both with the fiscal note on this bill and with the annual budget and appropriation ordinance. Um, all of the law enforcement agencies in Frederick County will tell you that as of this point in time, they don't receive a lot of civilian complaints. And so they would suggest that the board will not have to have a huge budget and have a lot of meetings. But uh, that could change because of the very existence of the board itself. So we don't really know um, exactly what to expect. So I would anticipate that we would offer a stipend for um, the board members and that we would at least have uh, one staff person designated as the executive administrator um, for the board. And I would expect to have the county attorney's office provide uh, uh, council staffing for this as well. And it may change at a time. So I don't know if the council thinks we should uh, delineate the budget in the draft bill, but I would it discourage that. Um, so are there any questions specifically on the budget component? Okay, because there is some interest in the public on the budget, okay? Um, the board shall hold quarterly meetings and additional meetings if necessary was added because some people said, well, what if they want to hold additional meetings? So we just made it clear that quarterly meetings are required. Additional meetings can be held if necessary. The other um, items that are under what the board shall do are consistent with what we had before, and they are consistent with what is um, required in um, state law one through two, three, and four. Five is also consistent in state law. We did say the report would go to the um, county executive, the county council, and to each municipality uh, elected officials in the county that uh, maintain a police agency. So we're a little bit different there that we added that report to going to the municipal leaders. Um, identifying trends and disciplinary process of police officers in the county and making recommendations on changes of policy are consistent with state law. So that kind of completes that section of the bill. So are there any questions on that section? Okay, seeing none, we'll go to the next one, which I know has some. Um, 
Composition to the extent practical, the membership of the board shall reflect the racial, gender, and cultural diversity of the county. That is specifically required by state law. We have added some language, as well as representation from communities with a higher impact of police misconduct, or we could change that to a higher frequency of interactions with law enforcement. It is, um, you're, you're gonna be asked to define both of those, um, but I'm happy to do there whatever the uh, majority of the board would like to see in the final bill we can uh, include. Um, I think that you'll find there's public support to include some reference to this um, in the bill in some way. So why don't we just talk about that uh, letter A under composition before we go to B. Uh, okay, does council member um, Blue and then I'll see if anybody else uh, has an issue, maybe we can just switch out the Anne Arundel County um, language instead. Um, I think it kind of accomplishes the same thing based on what I heard from community groups, but um, Council Member Blue? Right, thank you, County Executive. I, I would prefer to have a period at the end of county and not have anything um, after that. But what Council Member McKay brought up, I think, I could live with. I think putting that in as far as interactions with police may show past history, but there were there were comments made down in Annapolis that this police accountability board could actually act as a deterrent. Um, I thought it was kind of odd, um, assuming that you know there, there are police officers that are going to abuse uh, the, the rights of, of individuals. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I don't see it as that, but I, I mean, my first preference would be not to have anything after that. Just just leave it with what the state mandates us to do. Um, but I would be open to, uh, to what Councilmember McKay, um, his change was. Thank you. All right, Councilmember Hagan, you had a comment, question? Yeah, um, on two points. One, on, on that point, um, I'd be fine with the changes in Arundel County does it as uh, uh, Steve mentioned. Uh, I think that given the amount of data that's available on those two different approaches, this provides probably a far more, you know, consistent and reliable metric, uh, and might, you know, than 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 the other. And so I, you know, I would support um, that change. I'm um, I'm sure um, that the county executive and others are aware that of you know the emails that I'm sure they've all been read, but the emails about the composition with regard to um, gender and cultural racial diversity and some suggestions that uh, there be some actual numbers, at least minimum numbers. Obviously, it's always going to be, you know, to the extent practical. But I, I guess some people have an uncertainty or a lack of confidence about what that means or how it might be interpreted or what... Uh, um, whether or not how problematic it might be if uh, you know the level of representation in those three categories is not considered by some in the community to be adequate. I was just wondering if there was, I, I expect there's been some discussion in putting this together about whether or not there's should be a minimum in there. Um, it's not there now. That was the decision that's been made so far, but any thoughts about that would be appreciated. And we're just at the beginning of this process in some ways, certainly it's not even introduced legislation yet. We'll have public hearings and everything else, but I'd just like to get that sort of 
point out for the public discussion that's bound to happen around it? No one has asked me specifically to put in a minimum uh, number of representatives based on gender, race, or ethnicity. I think that that will potentially change over time as the county changes over time and our population changes and our population becomes more diverse. And I don't see any county that has specified a minimum number of people by uh, race, gender, or ethnicity. I'm not aware of anybody doing that. So um, I appreciate that there's a desire to ensure that there's representation on the committee, but to say specifically a minimum number of two or something like that, I haven't seen that. And I haven't seen that specifically. Other questions? Okay, so I think the county executive uh, is trying to get a read on, would you prefer to see the language from the Anne Arundel County Bill uh, instead of the language talking about police misconduct? And I do understand what Councilmember um, McKay is saying there. And you, you will pick up many of the same... Um, People, if you talk about the higher frequency of interaction with law enforcement, because we all know from the data that we've been collecting, there's a higher frequency of stops, uh, whatever they're for, uh, if you're dealing with members of um, the uh, of, of ethnic communities. Councilmember Donald, is your question, comment, or did you have a, something you wanted to say about that? Well, it's on the topic. That's, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, you want to get a feel for what we're trying to get a feel for so the kind yeah, of that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah. I agree with what Michael said. That's what I thought. You know, put a period after the word county and be done with it. I don't quite understand the second half of the sentence. Who would be there that isn't in the first half of the sentence? I mean, if you have a diversity of race, diversity of gender, cultural diversity, as well as represent what group is still out there at that point? That's why I don't understand why the second half of the sentence is even needed. Um, I, I see your hand. Hold on one second. I just want to make sure I don't have other questions about that before. I'm going to let um, Council uh, County Executive, do you want to answer that or do you want Councilmember Hagan to comment? Because you sat through, I only sat through one of these. So you sat through all of these uh, outreach programs. I just think there is some interest in the community in making sure that um, certain uh, groups, uh, minority groups of people who uh, are represented. And um, there are certain statistics out there that suggest, for instance, that there is a higher use of force, for instance, among uh, stops that involve uh, certain groups of people. I, I so, don't disagree. Um, I'm just saying so, I don't see how it isn't covered in the first half of the sentence. So, I think what I think what I think it's a reassurance uh, item. Exactly. Is what I think it is. It, it's 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 extra words that that make that people in those communities feel that there is a, an assurance that there will be representation on this board based on what they have experienced in in their life. Okay. Well, for my two cents, then I'd go with the suggestion using Anne Arundel County's language. Okay, Councilmember Hagan, did you have another comment? Yeah, I just want to make the point that they're not the same thing. It's not just another way of reassuring or repeating what's in the first part of that sentence, because technically you could have, you know, a substantial amount of ethnic diversity and gender balance, et cetera, and not have anybody from one or two or three communities 
geographically, right, that are, you know, particularly uh, affected by or have a higher incidence of, et cetera. So I think, you know, maybe it depends on how you view, um, you know, that final sentence, the final part of that sentence, although I, you know, I read, I'm reading it in terms of the Anne Arundel um, version now, which I think may be similar, but as I said, has a, a much greater level of deep data available to provide a more useful and consistent metric. But I think, you know, it's important to realize that you could satisfy the requirements of race, ethnicity, and gender, and not have anybody representing some of the communities where these concerns are greatest historically and so I think it, I think that's why it's important to add that to include that I should say council member Fitzwater thank you I uh, I agree that the second half of the sentence needs to be there um, I think councilmember Hagan just explained it pretty well um, but uh, my and I actually think either way um, I could support the language but for for what's already been stated, the Anne Arundel version, just simply because of the data, um, as I think County Executive Gardner, you said, we don't have necessarily a lot of reports of police misconduct right now. So if we're using that as a metric, that is going to be much more difficult to show whether we're actually achieving that second part of the um, the membership, basically. So that's why I think the other language would satisfy that better. And I think if we put that in, that would work. Okay. Is there, I hear some consensus to put in the Anne Arundel County language. Um, and again, you'll take this out to public comment and can have people advocate for it or uh, against it. I will say the only county with this language in there in the draft bill was Anne Arundel County. And I'm not sure what their input was that led them to add that. But I do think there will be advocacy to keep some kind of statement like this uh, in there, whether um, so we will change that before we send the bill to you to include um, interaction, okay, to write it uh, more consistent with the uh, Anne Arundel County bill. Okay, then if we go to uh, the next section under, again, Composition 1-2-702B, you know, subtext confirmation, you know, we'll have nine members uh, for three three-year terms, unless otherwise noted, we will stagger the initial um, terms, which is discussed later. Um, the regular voting members of the board must be county residents, um, to include two from the city of Frederick, one from Brunswick, one from uh, the town of Thurmont. Uh, have familiarity or experience within the legal field, behavioral health, social services, human resources, personnel management, the operation of a government agency, criminal justice agency, or community service organizations. We did add a few um, areas of experience uh, to be considered preferences here um, based on public comment and also the review of um, other counties. So is there any more input on the size of nine, assuring representation from the three municipalities with law enforcement agencies, or those um, areas of familiarity or experience. Okay, Council Member McKay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the uh, most of the additions in there. The one thing that um, struck me, and I saw the comment, you know, where this change may have been made or justified, but removing the age limit. Um, 
And, and I guess you can, you know, figure that, you know, someone um, is not going to be able to meet those, like, the qualifications in, um, in two uh, without, you know, some life experience that comes with a little bit of years under your belt. But um, I, I didn't see anything wrong with having a minimum age, you know, whether you call it 18, 21, or 25, something. Um, otherwise, it just seems like, you know, you're 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 implicitly, you know, saying that, you know, younger individuals who may be very involved in their community, but perhaps would not be appropriate for this body that you're kind of um, implicitly encouraging them to apply, um, you know, some erstwhile 16 or 17 year old um, when you might never really consider put it, appointing them. Uh, so I think it is helpful to have a minimum age requirement on there. I know I saw part of the input that may have led to it being struck, but I didn't see a reason, you know, for striking. I think it has a utility in keeping it in there. Okay. <clears throat> Just to respond to that, you know, Howard County was the uh, county that had the age of 25 um, in there. Um, we did include age of 20, minimum age of 25 in the first draft. I thought that was um, to really uh, make sure we had members with some years of experience just in life or other things and uh, maybe a little more maturity. Uh, there was concern about, well, people can vote when they're over 18. They can be drafted when they're over 18. Not that we draft anybody at this point in time, but, um, but they can certainly serve in our military and defend our country. And uh, if there are younger people interested in serving, we should at least consider them. So, um, so it was all about why are you excluding people under the age of 25? And the age of 25 seems quite arbitrary. Should it be 21? Should it be 28? Should it be something else? So we debated uh, making it say 21, and we debated leaving it in, and uh, for the reasons it was there in the first place. And then, you know. In the long run, I will say to you, um, we have seldom had a lot of young people apply for our boards and commissions. They'll obviously have to go through the vetting process and uh, compete with other people um, for these positions. So at the end of the day, I thought, you know, um, it could be handled through the interview and vetting process rather than by putting the age limitation in. But I'm certainly open to the conversation. Yeah, and, and that was kind of my point. It, you know, it kind of it 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 somewhat opens leaves open the door for younger individuals who may be very um, involved in their community, may have great interest in serving, and I applaud that, but don't have that life experience under their belt that would really make them a uh, a, a more qualified and competitive candidate. And I think you know, even if it, and I get the point about eighteen and of what that means. I mean, I'd be fine with that, just something. Um, I don't think having a minimum age of 18 would be all that controversial. It just puts a clear bar you know, down there in terms of who should and who shouldn't apply. So that's my thought. Councilmember Hagan? Um, first on that, I, I, I think, you know, 18 makes sense. I mean, you can make the case that they also haven't had, right, those lives 25 somewhere else, a certain amount of life experience. And things like that, but given the age that you can do be or responsible for certain things, et cetera, and the value of having a variety of perspectives that you may or may not have applicants or pick one that you think is qualified and, you know, mature enough. But I, I would just, I'd feel comfortable with putting 18 down for the reasons 
uh, that Steve said. But I also wanted to give uh, County Executive a chance just to respond to. I know, I know, it's also you know in, in some of the emails about the um, you know you did sort of mention it when you said you know the representation from the towns, the, the municipalities that have uh, police departments. But you know, there's been some feedback about well, that's you know one representative committed from a certain town is you know 11 percent of the nine board members the town might only be five or six percent of the population of the county i just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to that a little more you're never going to get perfect splits on all those kind of numbers anyway but and maybe that was you know the, the full extent of the answer is just that they should have one because they have a police force in the mix but i thought it was worth giving you the opportunity to see if say anything else about that. Well, I think that that response to request of municipal mayors and their councils, board of aldermen, com commissioners, whoever they, whatever they call their legislative body, um, they, I think they, they're the preference for those municipalities with that, that they would have their own police accountability board. Okay. And so, um, you know, and we're required by law to have this one a police accountability board for the entire community. So it allows them to have representation from their community, which they all felt strongly was important. I do think that, you know, obviously uh, the city of Frederick is quite large. We always get lots of applicants for, I would say, everything from uh, um, every board, a commission from residents within, we live in the city of Frederick, so that's where our population is. Um, Thermont and Brunswick will have to encourage people to apply. Maybe not the first time or the second time we look for members, but I think over time they may have to do that. You know, we have a roads board and a park and recs board that has a geographic representation from council districts, and uh, sometimes we don't get applications from a particular district, and that becomes a bit of a problem. So um, I, I don't think there was a lot of debate over whether that town's population, what percentage of the population in total they represented. That was really about trying to make sure that we were respectful to our municipal elected officials. No, thank you. And I appreciate communities. that. I just, since it had come up and, and people threw those numbers out at me slash us, whoever, depending on which letter you might have looked at it, thought it deserved a little more of an explanation, but thank you. Works for me. Other questions about um, this section of the bill? Does anybody want to have the age 25 added back in? I, or would you like to have the minimum age be 18 added in? We don't have that in our, any of our other bills. Councilmember Fitzwater. Um, I believe, and I, because I looked it up when I was working on another commission, there is, uh, there was a ordinance passed by the county commissioners at some point in the past that requires all of our boards and commissions to have members who are registered to vote. That also has come up in this conversation, but right now that is a blanket requirement for any of our boards and commissions. And so assuming that that stands, no one younger than 18, I mean, you have to be 18 to be able to vote. So that we don't, to me, we don't need to put the age requirement in unless at some point we anticipate that requirement for all of our boards and commissions changing. Um, but honestly, I don't think it's needed. And I, I, I do think that we should allow younger folks to apply. Um, I think that we just, we never know. We cannot assume that somebody does not have life experience that would make them a good member of this board just because of their age. And um, so I, I think, I think right now we don't need to put it in because it's already implied because of other regulations we have. Um, but 
generally speaking, I support it being at 18. I just don't think it needs to be stated because we don't, and we, as you said, county executive, we don't have that in our, any of our other boards and commissions either. Council member blue. I would, I would like to see something in there that says each member um, must be an adult. I mean, definition of adult is 18. I would prefer uh, members have a, a minimum age of 21. But if you're an adult, uh, that's 18, and that's that's pretty much defined. I know that the Maryland Police and Correction Standards Training Commission meets tomorrow, um, and I know there's a couple things that they're tasked to do by the, from the state legislation that are not in here. I mean, I think some of these changes are uh, through uh, CDE are, are appropriate, but I think they could be tweaked a little. I can't really speak to the what they are specifically until tomorrow or if they're even going to have recommendations um, um, so I'd like to wait and see what that is I may bring forward uh, an amendment adding some things in here to, to be tweaked but other than that um, I think that it's 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 going in a lot better direction than what the initial draft was thank you okay I will say the um we had thought even this past week we might get some insight into what was going to come out of the Maryland uh, Police Standards and Training Commission that would be relevant to potentially include in this bill. I, we, I, we really don't know what's going to come out of that. Um, but if they, um, we've tried to be consistent within this bill to say that the Police Accountability Board follows these kind of this kind of committee structure, and so does the Charging Committee that they have the same kind of training requirements. And they may come out and say that there is some kind of training requirement that we, I don't know about, I'm making this up, for the charging committee. And then we may want to say, well, that would also be uh, something we might want to include for the a larger police accountability board. But we don't know that yet. And we have to adopt this by May 1st. So, and, you know, at one point we were told that we didn't think they would finish their work even by July 1st. And now it seems that they, they picked up the pace and had a couple meetings and may come out with some information that would be relevant to this and that you may need to amend into the bill. I don't know how to work around that. No, because we do have to have this done by um, May 1st. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Council Member McKay. There we go. Yeah, just um, I just wanted to comment on uh, what Councilmember Fitzwater mentioned. Um, I think it's we may have, uh, I'm sure we do have um, kind of language somewhere in our ordinance or um, that provides an overriding guidance in terms of age and register to vote. However, I think in the interest of transparency and clarity, I actually think it should be put in each of these. Um, instances because individuals are going to be focused on this and we want them to understand who is and who is not, you know, meeting the qualifications, you know, in, and not rely upon them to know about language elsewhere that limits those qualifications. So I just think it's better practice to do it. And maybe we haven't been doing that, but maybe we should, you know, because like I said, when people come for a public hearing, they're going to be reacting to this document and what's in it not what may be in other parts of the ordinance that this does not reference. So I would say, and 18, minimum age 18 and a registered voter, I'm fine with that. Um, if that is our basic requirement for serving on a board and commission, but it should be written here. 
Okay. Other other comments? Councilmember Blue? Just a question, County Executive. Was there a reason why uh, there wasn't a requirement to be a county resident for, say, the prior one or two or three years to be able to serve on this board? Um, no. I mean, uh, we could add a residency length of time. We just really didn't consider that. I noticed at least one other county did have, I think it had to be a resident of the county for three years. That would certainly increase your in potential to be involved in the community and be engaged in it, to know about the community. We don't have that requirement for any other boarding commission. Again, this, this boarding commission is different in the fact that it actually um, is going to be able to make some very important uh, decisions where most of our boards and commissions are advisory and make recommendations to us and the decisions continue to rest with the county executive and the council or the elected officials. In this case, you know, this board has more authority than advisory. So I, um, you know, we did have in the last bill that you had to be a resident and registered voter. We also had, they had to be 25. Um, so I'm just going to look for consensus as to where folks are on this. We do require all our boards and commissions to have the members be residents and registered voters. We've done that for decades and decades. And, you know, the goal there was to, um, sometimes we have had people from outside the county apply for boards and commissions, believe it or not. And uh, that's um, true for, um, I would say, a lot of our um, business-type advisory boards, because someone may have a business here but live someplace else. They maybe even live out of state. But we have enough businesses where people actually uh, live here and uh, work here and vote here. And so uh, we've always uh, had that in there. Um, you know, we are able to get enough applicants for every board and commission we have with those requirements in here. So I can add that language in, or I can leave it out, whatever you would like, whatever you prefer. Okay, so let's have a show of hands. If you think that language needs to be in the bill, could you just raise your hand quickly so the county executive can see it? It's the requirement that you be a registered voter and um, live in the county. Well, obviously, if you're a registered voter, you have to live here. So you're good with that. There's consensus on that one. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we'll add 18 registered voter and resident. Resident's still already in there, so um, uh, we'll put that into the draft bill. And again, you're going to have the opportunity to take public comment on this and debate some of this stuff again if you want to, okay? Um, let's say, so um, if there's nothing further, I want to go on to the next one, which is uh, number three. Ensure uh, that each member is able to act and make Objective decisions that are free from outside influence or bias submit to an in-person interview and appropriate background research conducted by the county executive or his or her designee and the municipal mayors of the cities of Frederick, Brunswick, and the towns of Thurman or their chief administrative officer. And there could be other individuals as determined by the county executive who serve on the interview panel. I just wanted to leave that uh, open in that way. Um, the question I had on this section was there was objection um, to uh, the municipal mayors because uh, it was viewed by at least uh, one entity who weighed in that the municipal mayors, because they had police chiefs that were um, uh, reporting to them, that, that we were actually appointing the police to be on the interview panel. and. You know, I think we've tried to clarify here that the language as the elected official or their chief administrative officer 
um, the municipal mayors do want to be uh, a part of this committee. And so um, that, again, is unique to Frederick County. So we've honored that request, uh, but we have had objection that to including the mayor. So I, I think that we should um, keep that in there. That's So that's why I presented it to you in this way. Council Member Hagan. Just to be clear, because I don't know that it's, I mean, it may be, you know, implicit, but it's not explicit that um, having them on the interview panel, it, that is, doesn't change the fact that this is still a decision that is made not by the interview panel, you know, a group vote or anything like that. So they are essentially able to ask questions, offer advice or opinions, but they're not making the decision. Right. That's true. For good or bad, these uh, members are appointed by the county executive and confirmed by the county council in the end of the day, like every other board and commission that we have. But I think um, we wanted to have an interview process that included the input of municipal mayors. They, they asked for that, and I feel like I should honor that. So does anybody? Oh, I'm sorry. Council Member Blue. Just, just I want to add to, to what you were saying, county executive. These municipal mayors are elected officials. And they, they really have quite the responsibility to their citizens. And any time that we start to question whether certain language is needed or not, we need to, we need to recognize that this, this board, nothing like this has ever been set up before. This is one of the most important boards that you as a county executive and we as a county council are going to approve. It has the potential to completely change lives. There's no recommendations. I mean, this, there's a charging committee um, under this board. So whenever you start to say, hey, should we include these individuals, should we not? We need to keep in mind that this is a completely new animal that we're dealing with here. And it has the implications to affect employment, um, our, 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 our rights of our citizens. It, this is, this is a, a very important uh, piece of legislation. I think one of the most that I'll be involved with um, and have been involved with uh, in my tenure as a county councilman. Councilmember McKay. So I had this term uh, marked in, in the draft from the last time. I don't know if I asked it or not, so forgive me if I'm repeating my question, but um, what do we mean by appropriate background research? What kind of background research will we be doing on candidates? I mean, is this credit background, criminal background, social media background? I mean, since we're addressing the, po the possibility of political bias, I mean, um, what are we doing there? Um, well, it may change over time, okay? So you have to recognize that this may change over time. But I would anticipate there'll be a background check, and I anticipate that there, again, there may be, there's going to be other county executives besides me at a time. I'm not even sure I'll be the first one to appoint this, okay? And maybe a future county executive. Uh, they may want to look at social media. Um, they may want to get references, okay? They might want to get professional and personal references. Just similar things that you would do to when you're hiring a person, okay? And so... Um, and I assume when people hire uh, employees, sometimes they do more, sometimes they do less, depending on the position and their own inclinations. But um, I think that there will be a vetting process. And we 
Again, we're the only people that say there's going to be a vetting process with an in-person interview. Um, some boards and commissions, we have the board itself um, interview the applicants and make recommendations to me, and I review their recommendation letters and I review their resumes. And occasionally I disagree and ask questions about why they picked this person versus that person or something else that I would like to know. But um, I don't conduct a personal interview for all of those because I would be basically interviewing people as my sole job. But um, this one's an important one. So I think it's, it really highlights that there is a important vetting process. So that's what I would anticipate that answers your question. It, it kind of does. I mean, and part of it is, you know, so in my employment context, I understand what background investigation and, and background checks mean, and it has a certain connotation in the national security community. Um, in this context, I just didn't know how far that would go. I mean, I don't know if there's private you know, security firms that you contract with to do this kind of a civilian employment, you know, background investigation and what the extent of that would be to address the points that were being made in terms of free from outside influence or bias. Um, so I was just kind of curious, if nothing else, but as long as there's a plan that matches the words and the plan is subject to change, I understand. I just wanted to get a sense of it. And Brian is coming. Yeah, in, so, he pops in. so I'm always afraid when the county attorney pops in and I've said something that's crossed the line. <laughs> yeah. flat. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Uh, County Executive Gardner, no, you have not crossed the line. I just wanted to uh, just give a little more information for Councilmember McKay. Uh, it's defined as appropriate background research. We look to the common definition of appropriate when we have a situation like this, and it is a suitable or proper in the circumstances definition. So as the County Executive said, it could change over time. Uh, it's, it's what is appropriate, what's needed at the, at the time. Yeah. Not sure that really helped Councilmember McKay any, but uh, that's okay. It, it, it's going to depend. It's going to depend on who's sitting in the county executive's chair at the time. That's based true. on the based on the squint, I would say it did not help. <laughs> uh, Councilmember Dacey. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if um, I kind of heard some of the discussion earlier. They may have touched on this, but. I know compensation, I just, I'm looking at the requirements and just thinking how, how potentially onerous that is, you know, somebody going through a background check and interviews and not having the training on top of that for this committee. Are we concerned at all that, I mean, it seems like we're putting them through a lot. Are we concerned at all? I mean, is the compensation envisioned going to be commensurate with the amount of um, effort that someone's putting forth to, to become a member of this committee? I, I guess that's, just for discussion purposes, I'm not aware of a, you know, a board or commission that has such extensive background, um, such extensive, you know, people are going to potentially open up their social media and they can't post this. And, and then, uh, of course, they're going to have to, you know, have to worry about what, be conscious about what they post. And they have to screen um, well, all that. So I'm just wondering if we're going to be able to find enough people that are interested in doing this. Um, it's a serious role, and so I think it requires applicants who are serious, and I do think we will have to have compensate these people uh, differently than we do with most of our boards, our volunteers. And Montgomery County has suggested that they pay their chair $22,000 a year, which is, quite frankly, about what you folks make as county council members right now. So um, I had more in mind of a stipend uh, per meeting, 
And um, but we'll get to discuss that during the budget process. But absolutely, I think they will have to be uh, compensated. I mean, the training, it could be significant. The time commitment could be significant, particularly if there are um, a lot of uh, complaints filed. Um, so it's hard to even tell people what their time commitment might be for the administrative charging committee where there's an administrative judge or um, other uh, person required. We're going to have to pay their going hourly rate, which is probably all of us together might not make that hourly rate. But um, so, you know, we are going to have to have a pretty substantive budget for this. Um, and they may want to have somebody evaluate some trends and issues for them as well. And so there may have to be some money for them to be able to do that. So it is going to require a, a serious commitment um, from um, the people who apply. And so I think that's part of what we're trying to make apparent with the bill. Okay, thank you for your answer. Yeah, I was just, you know, I know we have trouble filling some positions that are a lot, I guess, less of a time commitment, less kind of. That's right. High profile, so just a little bit concerned about what these requirements finding candidates. I guess that'll be compensation. Okay, Council Member Donald, did you have a question? Comment? That was just a response. Uh, I agree with what Jan said and with what Michael said earlier. I mean, these people are making huge decisions that completely change somebody's life. So I, I think the requirements being higher are necessary. I, I see what. Bill saying in the sense that we do have trouble filling boards and commissions, but this is kind of a special exception. Yeah. And the more authority you have, the more training you usually have to do. I mean, you think about the planning commission has to go through training, and that's a pretty considerable one, but they make very, you know, serious decisions that affect people's land use and all kinds of things. So I, I think it's reasonable that we have to do this background check in, in these things. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else before I go on? Okay. I do want to try to get through this bill here. Um, yeah. Kind of lost my place here. Where are we? Number, number four. Okay. Um, they do have to complete training. Um, we did have in the original draft the Maryland Police Training Standards Commission. We've added the County Ethics Law and the Open Meetings Act. Um, and then we've said any other training that may be required. Um, some counties had uh, additional training beyond this. Um, I would say a lot of people had the ethics of county ethics law as a um, training as a as a requirement and a training um, component, and um, so I, I think these are reasonable things to add here. Um, does anybody have any questions or concerns about that, Councilmember McKay? Sorry, um, the county ethics law. Does it have terms that we believe are going to be applicable to the kinds of potential conflicts of interest that members could uh, encounter here? Um, I was kind of looking, uh, and I was going to have a comment later, um, drawing from, um, uh, I think, some language from Calvert about not voting on any item that you have a conflict of interest. And um, I was just wondering if, we, if we're comfortable with whether the, the county ethics law Will, and I haven't looked at it, so I apologize for, you know, posing a question why I didn't do the homework on it, whether the terms in that law are, are going to marry over to what we'd want to look at here, um, or do we need to maybe, you know, uh, look at expanding it over there in the ethics law? Uh, I'm not sure I can answer that 
question that um, all conflicts of interest would be addressed adequately, but that is the goal of including it here, is that if you have a conflict of interest, you should disclose it and not vote on it. I mean, uh, I'll ask the county attorney to weigh in. If that is the avenue you are looking down, Councilmember McKay, we may need to change additional language to accomplish that. Yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the conflicts are termed in terms of property or business relationships. When the conflicts that may arise here could be in, of different natures, in terms of friendships, relationships, situations. Um, so, and maybe we address it by you know talking about it later in terms of the language that Calvert had that you just can't make a decision, participate in a decision where you have a conflict. Um, just leave it blanket like that. Um, as opposed, that might be the simpler approach to address this particular legislation. Yeah. I, I would agree that might be something we need to look at. Okay. Other questions or comments? Okay. Uh, just Council Member Donald. With the conflicts, I'm not really sure how you deal with that, how you define a conflict in this situation. I, I just think that's going to be really hard to do. I mean, you can define you can't be married to somebody or child off that kind of conflict but this i mean i don't know if it was one of your employees for instance i i was okay. you wouldn't want to I make a decision on that so i can think of uh was your next door neighbor um i don't know some something like that i think there could be some potential uh conflicts where you should that are beyond uh financial uh and some of the other ones we more commonly see in our ethics law so we can do a little more homework on that one. Okay. And just for example, an individual on the board might have had a prior interaction with an officer who was then subject to a complaint, and that might be considered a conflict of interest, uh, or at least it's worthy of discussion. So, and that's and you'll never see anything like that in the ethics, the county ethics law. Okay, so <coughs> I think we should we should do a little more homework on that one. So then in section D, uh, on the next uh, page of the bill, <coughs> the individual may not be a member of the board if they are uh, an immediate family member of an active or an active police officer. <coughs> they're not allowed to be, they're prohibited from being a member by state law if they're active police officers. We added immediate family members. That was suggested, uh, I think, by the city of Frederick as well, some public comment. We have defined that at the beginning of the um, bill. And I'll speak to that again later. I mean, I think this is a, uh, the purpose of this is to um, try to make sure you have members who are less likely to have bias and be free of bias. So I compare this to a time when I was called to jury duty and I was um, not selected. I was excused because I have, um, it was a medical malpractice case and my father-in-law who is deceased was a physician and they, uh, they, ex they excluded people who uh, were medical professionals or immediate family members. So um, that's just uh, the point of that. Um, we also um, said they could not be a, um, employee of county government, employee of a municipal government, or an employee of the sheriff's office. Um, 
I think the next point is one that will be receive a lot of public comment on. Um, they've been convicted of or received a promotion before judgment or felony or misdemeanor with a statutory penalty of more than two years. There is some kind of statement like this in um, every county's bills, and I believe the purpose of this statement is to eliminate and balance the bias that somebody might have. Um, and again, you would have people who would say that this eliminates people who are, uh, you're, you're eliminating people, um, but a couple of the counties had a statutory penalty of more than two years. Uh, two had a statutory penalty of one year, which would be stricter, and then Anne Arundel County had their own language. So I will say people who have uh, been uh, convicted of or found guilty of or had a probation for judgment for something like a DUI or shoplifting, those all have statutory uh, penalties of less than two years. So those kinds of things are excluded. So minor uh, crimes, um, misdemeanors are excluded under this two-year statutory penalty. Um, the county attorney did provide me with a long list of that. We can provide that with you, uh, to you. But there will be people who want to, there'll be public comment to want to eliminate this entirely. There will be others who might want to make this something stronger or make it be um, um, similar to the language that Anne Arundel County had so that it's uh, criminal offenses, offenses of moral turpitude they have in there. And so, uh, so there's, but I think there should be something here because I think this is about balancing potential for bias and trying to eliminate that potential for bias from membership on the board. So, um, so that balances the police officers and their immediate family with people who have serious um, convictions. So I don't know about comments on that one. Section D, the whole section, any of those. Councilmember McKay? Yeah, thank you for the, the discussion. I, I generally agree with what's done here. I did like the Anne Arundel language, um, the way they, I also like the probation, including the probation before judgment that you captured here. Okay, with two years. Um, I was thinking about the language from Calvert in terms of the pending, you know, uh, charges, and I guess um, they ex in explicitly included that. So if you've got pending charges, you haven't been convicted yet, but you're still, the pending charges would exclude you. I guess we could say that someone who has pending charges and then is not convicted, well, they've not been convicted, or if they are later convicted, then they could be removed subject to G because they no longer meet this, this criteria. So I don't know if you had any, if you looked at that, including that, or just are content with how it's handled right now, including the notion of the excluding individuals with pending charges, a la Calvert. Uh, we did not have an in-depth discussion about pending charges. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what folks think about that. I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I wanted to talk about it, but I, I think it's adequately addressed in terms of the fact that if someone is ultimately convicted, then you have the grounds for removing them. You know, when you take this out to public hearing, you may want to take out a couple different versions here <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, Look at what Anne Arundel County said. I, I think that, but I do think that everybody has some language like this. And again, I think it goes to trying to um, eliminate bias rather than trying to exclude people. It's the balancing act um, that we're trying to do with this board. 
But I think you'll get a lot of public comment on that. Um, Council Member Fitzwater. Thank you. Um, just to clarify, I think you said, County Executive Gardner, that Mr. Black compiled for you the different charges and the length of the um, the. So I'm losing my words, but um, but I would be interested in that if that's something that you all could share with us. Um, I think that would help. But my uh, my question is, was there any discussion about this language, but adding some sort of time, you know, limit like within the last 10 years, within the last 15 years or something like that? I mean, you could have somebody who had uh, a conviction conviction when they were very young, um, who is now, you know, much older. Uh, contributing member of you know society has a lot of life experience that could be beneficial to a position like this that would be excluded from applying even though the um, conviction was a long time ago. So I was wondering if that came up in your discussions at all. So and I don't know what the right number of years would be for that, but just think that that we're curious if that came up. We had some discussion about it. I think it does. It does get it you into well, how many years is it and. You know, I think some people read this as a goal of trying to exclude people from being able to participate. And the goal is to really, I think, try to balance the potential for bias. And so I I, I don't know that there's a perfect answer to that. So it's, it, we didn't end up putting a year's term on that. But certainly you may hear that and it may be something you want to do. Other comments, concerns about Section D. Okay. We're going to run out of time here before your 7 o'clock meeting, so I'm going to try to go through this a, a little more quickly. Um, section E is um, we had, and most counties had, ex officios on here. You know, we know what ex officios are. They're non-voting members. They um, uh, are really there to provide uh, answers to questions, be a resource. They're usually staff. Um, we did have three ex officios, uh, one designee from the um, sheriff and, and one, for, well, actually four, and three from the um, other uh, law enforcement agencies. To make this uh, clear, we, we said that this was, it, it would be liaisons who would serve as resources and answer questions as needed or requested by the board. And so, um, and then we expanded it to include the Frederick County Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer who is a um, liaison or ex officio in other counties. So some counties literally had here, the ex officio would be the sheriff or be the chief of police. Um, we've just said it would be a designee and that they would be a liaison instead. Um, this seemed to really better define for the public what an ex officio member is, okay? Comments, questions? Elton Member McKay. Yeah, I I think I, I think I saw the input from the state's attorney's office. I agreed that having a liaison from that office would be beneficial. I mean, these are matters of, of criminal law, and I imagine we'd have representatives from Mr. You know, uh, County Attorney Black's office, but they don't necessarily specialize in criminal law. So having a liaison from the uh, state's attorney's office for the county, I think, would be beneficial. Okay, we did not include that in the bill. I'm going to leave that to you to decide if you want to add that. Okay, um, we had some discussion about it, and there was a different opinion, a different conclusion reached than one you just expressed. But uh, that's how this this goes. Um, 
Um, then the letter F just talks about staggered terms. Um, and then letter G says a member may be removed from the board if at any time they fail to meet the requirements of this section or any requirements for members of the board or fail to attend at least 75% of the meetings during any period of 12 consecutive months. So what changed there was going from 50% attendance, which I personally thought was too low, to the 75% um, um, level. And so, you know, a member could be removed if they failed to do the training, um, you know, failed attendance or any of the other uh, requirements that uh, are in the bill or could be added, I guess, in the future. Are there any questions on that? Okay. And then a vacancy shall be filled the same basis as the original appointment. I don't think we change anything there. Uh, the county executive shall nominate and the county council shall approve an individual service board chairperson. And I think that um, this person is going to be really very important. And um, there should be some strong conversation among the county executive and the county council about who this person is. This person is able to appoint members to the um, charging commission. And uh, again, we did have familiarity with criminal justice in here, but we broaden it to say are other relevant experience needed for the position. I do think this should be a person that comes with some knowledge um, beyond um, that they've been an active member of the community. So. Questions, Councilmember McKay. Yeah, my only comment here is I just think three years might be long. I think I'd probably prefer two because um, it is such an important position. And if it doesn't work out, three years is a long term. Um, and it just seems unusually long for a board and commission chair. Um, so, um, I mean, the charging committee chair is only one year. Um, so three years just seems kind of you know, unusually long for me. Okay. I will say that's public comment I did not receive so um, from anyone. So uh, I think we can give that some thought. Um, you know, usually, um, you know, it's, it's just on differently different places. Um, you know, the planning commission picks a new chair every year. The council members pick a... Um, in some counties, they pick somebody for the term as to be the chair, and others, they do it every year and kind of take turns. Our delegation takes turns. Um, I do think that this person is nominated separately uh, from the other board members, and so I do think they should have a term longer than a year. And maybe they will have compensation that is higher than um, the other board members. So, all right. Councilmember Donald, did you have a question? No, just a comment that because you're, I understand Steve's concern, but because this is a specialized position and this person may have, have to have a skill set that's different from other people, that might be the only person on the commission that has that particular set of skills needed to be this. So I think it's a careful pick, and, and that's why I think you have to go with the three years, but we can consider something different. I certainly agree with that comment. The next section is meetings, quorums, and record keeping. Uh, again, the board should meet at least quarterly. The majority will constitute a quorum uh, subject to the Open Meetings Act, board members subject to the ethics law. The board shall be prohibited from creating subcommittees or ad hoc committees. Records shall be maintained, again, by a staff person, the executive administrator for the board. 
and um, and you know, again, I think there's a comments about confidentiality. The, so, are there any questions on that? I don't think we really changed too much there. Okay, I don't see any questions. Are there any? Nope, no questions on that part. Complaints, the board shall receive complaints. I think all of this section has remained uh, the same. I don't think we've changed anything and most of it is required by state law. So I think that is, um, I'm not sure we can even change anything in that section. Um, so we did add a, a language for the administrative charging committee. It was not in our original draft. Um, some counties have this in, have included it, some don't. So I would say that everything um, till uh, number seven, wait a minute, yeah. So everything um, up to D7, membership number seven, is right from state law. It can't be changed, okay? Uh, it defines the committee size, it defines who appoints people, all of that stuff is just in state law. So the only thing that we have added locally is uh, at the end of page eight, number seven, eight, and nine, that the members shall serve a three-year term. They can be reappointed after a total uh, for a total of six years of service. The committee shall elect a chairperson annually from among its members, and the chairperson of the committee shall serve no more than two consecutive terms as chairperson. So, um, and then of course on the next page. Uh, 10, 11, and 12. And again, most of what's here is consistent with what we had for the um, Police Accountability Board. The staggered terms for opening um, for the initial appointees um, that committee members could be removed um, if they fail to meet the requirements of membership and if they don't have attendance at least 75% of the meetings, and then a majority constitutes a quorum. And then the last section is the effective date. So I think that covers the entirety of the bill. Council Member McKay, you have a question? Yeah, two. Um, back in the uh, complaint section, when they're reviewing a complaint, are they, are they going to default into a closed session, um, you know, for reviewing individual complaints? Um, or how will that handle? Do we need to prescribe that or will it just be handled by default? Or is it intended to be in an open session? I'm going to default to the county attorney on that one. <laughs> I believe those will be open sessions unless it falls within a very narrow exception. All of these meetings will be open. Um, um, I'm not sure about that, but okay. No, I'm not questioning it, but I'm... I'm when, when there's a complaint that hasn't been, when you, it's a charge, and, and maybe because it's a charge of a criminal nature, it has to be out in the public eye, I guess. Um, it's not my area of expertise, but um, I know we go into closed session for personnel matters. Um, it seems a little bit analogous there, but. Uh, are you referring to the, to the accountability board when the complaint comes back, or are you referring to the charging commission? Well, no, I mean, they're receiving a complaint, and I didn't know what they would, how they would address a complaint. I mean, is it just basically we receive a complaint, we forward it on, and they never talk about it in open session, other than the fact that they received a complaint? Or will they say, we've received a complaint about Officer X, 
Um, that's kind of what I'm wondering. What will they, how will they handle, what will their job be on the Police Accountability Board with respect to a complaint, and what do they divulge in open versus closed session? That will be determined when they create the procedure. And if you look back to the beginning of the bill where the Accountability Board will establish the procedure for receiving complaints. That's where that will happen. They are statutorily required to receive the complaint and then forward the complaint to the uh, relevant police department. But they'll be establishing that when they create the actual process. You know, I think in my mind that they may create a website. They may say, we want a website where everyone can go on and a fillable form will be available to file a complaint. And there also will be a paper form that will be available by calling, stopping in, mailing. They'll establish that process. They may say when that complaint comes in, uh, two members will look at it and it will automatically be forwarded. It will be recorded. That process is not established yet. Okay. Thank you. And, and then I just had a, a broad question about uh, the Administrative Charging Committee. I appreciate the... Uh, um, the how much work has gone into that section now to really um, flesh it out. The one thing I see missing, though, is any sense of qualifications for those members um, at all. Um, so I, I think that we should, uh, and there are some examples in Calvert and Montgomery County where they did address that specifically for the charging committee. And given the matters that they'll be engaged in, in terms of legal matters and all, reviewing, you know, um, um, camera footage and whatnot. I mean, I think, you know, having some actual uh, finite qualifications, including maybe even some legal background, I think would be very helpful on the charging committee itself. Well, on that one, I would ask Brian if we can add those kinds of criteria to this section, um, because I will say that, you know, a couple of these members are appointed um, by the county executive, and um, I would think that would follow at least a similar process to the police accountability board. Um, but a couple of the members are appointed by others. In fact, other nothing, members. Nothing in the state law would prohibit you from creating uh, criteria for those individuals. Uh, two are appointed by the accountability board, two by the executive, and then the chair of the accountability board serves. Um, so that person obviously has already been uh, vetted and, and meets criteria. Uh, they also are to receive training from the Maryland Police Training and Standards Commission. Uh, nothing in the law that, that prohibits you from creating any additional requirements, though. 